Shalom, and welcome to the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations weekly Torah commentary series. I'm Daniel Nassim from Congregation Kehilat Zion in Vancouver, British Columbia. This week we're discussing Parashat Acharimot. Our text begins in Vaikra chapter 16. Achare mot, what a way to start a parasha with the words achare mot, after the death. This phrase refers to the death of Aaron's two sons, Nadav and Avihu, who had offered strange fire before the Lord. At the moment they dared to do so, the result was fire going out from before the tabernacle and consuming them. Why now, later, is this parasha linked to that earlier event? Why is the warning to be careful in how we approach Hashem repeated here? Perhaps it is because the instructions of this parasha do indeed flow out of the lesson Israel learned through Nadav and Avihu's fate. As Moses had explained to Aaron after they died, this is what Adonai said, Through those who are near me, I will be consecrated, and before all the people, I will be glorified. Acharemot covers three subjects, the sin offerings of Yom Kippur, sacrifice to idols, and sexual defilement. Is this why our parasha begins with such a frightening reminder of God's fearsomeness? Seemingly in the wrong place in Leviticus, Aaron is given instructions regarding Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The awesomeness of Hashem is front and center, as he warns Aaron that the same thing that happened to his two sons would happen to him if he entered the holy place behind the curtain where the ark was. The reason? The Lord says, I appear in the cloud over the ark cover. It is not because the place was holy in and of itself. It is not even because the ark was holy or had something holy inside of it. It is because Hashem appeared in the cloud above it. Perhaps in the land of Egypt, regaled by stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's encounters with God, Israel had lost its fear of him. But while he was redeeming them and taking them to be his own, he was not to be disrespected. In Egypt, Hashem had displayed his mighty power over all the gods of Egypt. Both Pharaoh and his people and the people of Israel had seen in increasing measure the futility of their idolatry before the God of Israel. As his people, all their devotion belonged to him. Every sacrifice of oxen, goats, and lambs was to be offered at the sanctuary where the priest could splash the blood on the altar and offer the fat up to the Lord. They were told in graphic terms that this was so that they would no longer offer sacrifices to the goat demons before whom they were prostituting themselves. It might seem shocking but it is clear that the Israelites, both before and after their redemption from Egypt, were actively engaged in blatant idolatry. But they should have known better, for as they had already been told at the mountain of God in the wilderness, I, Adonai your God, am a jealous God. It is directly following this that a series of instructions concerning sexual indiscretions, to put it mildly, are given. 
Once again, Israel is being warned to avoid the activities that they had been engaged in during their enslavement to the Egyptians. Once again, the presumption was that these were practices they needed to discard because of who God is. Their God. Now is it becoming more apparent why the Lord acted so drastically and dramatically in consuming Nadav and Avihu with fire from the altar? In the midst of all the instructions, there is the line, You are not to let any of your children be sacrificed to Molech, thereby profaning the name of your God. I am Adonai. Today, the very concept is appalling to us. But to them, it was a sacrifice of individual infants for the greater good. Perhaps the judgment on Nadav and Avihu was for at least some of Israeli stern enough warning that they turned away from these ghastly practices of Egypt. I'm not saying this was the actual reason why they died. Our rabbis have voluminous and insightful commentary on that. But was Hashem's action against Nadav and Avihu so drastic after all, when its enduring effect was so positive for Kol Yisrael, all Israel? Getting back to the laws and rules regarding pagan sacrifice, Molech, and sexual indiscretions, when we think about what they imply our ancestors were doing, a horrific image of their behavior emerges. But perhaps we are being disingenuous in being appalled without examining ourselves. I leave it to you to consider where our society and our own lives today compare to the image of Israel in our parasha, Acharemot. Israel had a problem. They had been brought out of Egypt, but somehow Egypt was still within them. You could say it was easier to take us out of Egypt than to take Egypt out of us. This is where Hashem says to Israel, You are not to engage in the activities found in the land of Egypt. And you are to observe my laws and rulings. If a person does them, he will have life through them. I am Adonai. Again, he says, keep my charge. I am Adonai. I really doubt that any of us are offering sacrifices to goat demons or sacrificing our offspring to Molech today. But one of the challenges of this parsha to us is, am I keeping Adonai's charge? Have I truly left Egypt behind in my spiritual journey, or have I, in some respects, brought Egypt into the wilderness with me? As we count the Omer at this time, we pray, Master of the universe, you commanded us through Moses, your servant, to count the Omer in order to purify us from our evil and uncleanness. May that be true now as we reflect and truly leave Egypt behind us. This is Dr. Daniel Nassim signing off and wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. For more commentaries like this one, visit umjc.org forward slash commentaries.